Hey, feminist friends, and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. I'm your host, Joe, and today I'm joined by my delightful co-host, Corrine. Hi! So we're going to discuss Get Out today, but before we get into that, normally we talk about how we are, but we've just done that for about half an hour before we recorded, and I have a couple of random questions to ask Corrine about being French, so I thought I'd do it on the podcast. So first of all, Corrine... Do you know what malt loaf is? Like what? Malt loaf? No, I don't know. On the Bake Off, they made malt loaf in one of their technical challenges. And I was sat with my Swedish friend, Sandra, and it only was brought to my attention then that it's a really British thing and no one else outside of the UK has any idea what this weird brown fruity... Oh, it's so good. And then yesterday I discovered that the brand that's most famous for making it in the UK, it's vegan. So... Ooh. Today I had malt loaf and you had butter on it. It's, I don't think you'd like it. It's really squidgy and sticky and really good with a cup of tea. Kind of like a Christmas pudding? Yeah, but nicer because I don't like Christmas pudding. Okay. Yeah, I've never heard of it. And um, <laughs> the way you sell it, I'm not sold yet. So that was that. And then the other thing is croissants that are stuffed with cheese and ham. What are your thoughts on this? I think the one that you find that you care not great, but I'm not against it. So is that a thing that you could buy in France? Like you could go to a boulangerie and, oh. Yes. Because I thought it was an English thing that just really bastardized croissants. No. no, no, you can find it in France too. The croissant, jambon et au fromage, you can find this. Oh, okay. Well, those questions weren't as exciting as I thought they were going to be. So I thought you'd be like, no, that's an awful thing to do. You're going to make me pass as a snob again. I don't... <laughs> no, I was just curious. I, I tell you, it came up at work. That's why okay. my colleague, I, I don't know why he was talking about it. I was like, well, I have a friend who is French. I can ask her <laughs> whether it is a French thing or whether we've made that up. I can find out for you. Great. Well, that was exciting. Uh, do you want to know anything about being English? Is there anything that you want to find out? Anything I want to know about British people, don't worry. But that will take an hour, so we can have a conversation in the podcast if you want. For the listeners, um, I remember Kareem watched Love Island for the first time recently, and I got a flurry of questions, some of which were just asking about the format of the show, and some of which being like, what does being like who why do you call people a bird do other people do you does lee call you his bird like what does being mugged off mean i don't understand <laughs> like, that is true yeah. i i learned some the first time i watched i sent you so many texts like what is this word i've never heard this before it's like a thing that does your boyfriend call you your bird and you told me no <laughs> oh okay so that's a nexus thing or something i don't know i really so i I don't like men referring to women as birds. I find it very demeaning. Some, I think it maybe, I don't know if it's more of a Northern thing. Maybe that's a lie. I don't know, but I, I don't like it. Some people do. But yeah, if Lee was referring to me as like, oh yeah, my bird's coming round. I'd be like, not anymore. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> not into it. Not into it at all. Well, that was fun. So, Get Out, um, released in 2017, which... Now I think about it, it was a long time ago. Oh my God, that's, yeah, okay. We that... met in 2017. Did we? Okay. Our friendship is as old as Get Out and Very Good Dates. Don't, don't feel weird. 
I haven't got like a green shrine where I've got the exact date, although it was May. So made anyway, I'm going to stop talking about that. It's going to be a really boring podcast if I just <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> anyway, so it came out in 2017. As most people I'm sure will know, it was directed, written and produced by Jordan Peele. There were three women as well who produced it. And the composer is a mixed race man called Michael Abels, who I checked. I'm pretty sure he's not from a really famous rap group or any kind of famous. <laughs> I do not know him, but I mean, I've right. known, I, don't, I don't think so either. <laughs> That's fantastic. Partly mentioned it because he's not white, but also partly because I love the music in this film and he did the music for us. And I just think it's sublime. I think the music's great. So good job, Michael. You get a 10 out of 10 from me you're welcome so get out am i right in thinking this is jordan peele's first directorial debut in terms of films i think so because before i mean i've known him before because he used to be part of this duo of comedian and he was actually very funny and he was always talking he was already talking about race about a lot of issues and he and he was mostly doing very short skits I think it's his first movie, yeah. Yeah, because I remember Lee showing me a sketch where he'd done whiteface, that him and his friend were hiding in the house and just had talcum powder on their face to be like, no, we're white. <laughs> Whilst it was very funny, I was like, this is also quite sad. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's his first directorial debut. It's about um, a black man who's going to his white girlfriend's family home for the first time. And when he gets there, things are very weird and strange. Please stop now if you haven't listened, if you haven't seen the film. But it transpires that this family are taking black people, and because of their, in air quotes, superior genetics and strength, and they're turning old white people into these young, healthy black people, which is, <laughs> I think, a good description of the film. Yeah, um, all the white men or stealing black bodies and like putting their brains into the black bodies. Yeah, I think that summarized the movie. And that's what Daniel Kalua, the main character, discovered that is being brought by his girlfriend to be basically sold in an auction uh, to a bunch of white people who want to take over from him. Yeah. It also passes the intersectional Bechdel tests and there's a lot of scenes with Chris and Rod are chatting and although a lot of the time they're talking about white people, they're not always. So that was nice. It doesn't pass the female Bechdel test, I don't think, but also I'm kind of okay with that because it didn't seem to be... I think because the film was about the women, the women in the family, so the only women we see are all after him and they're all chasing him and they want his body and stuff. So it, I'm, I'm okay with them always talking about him because that kind of makes sense in the context of the movie. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this film, other than it being a great film, is that you and I both have very different experiences when we watched it for the first time. So me being a white lady, um, when I saw it, I hadn't really, um, I, I was at the start of my foray into feminism that isn't just white feminism. So I fully, when I first saw this film, was like, oh, I don't get it. It wasn't that scary. I don't understand. I, I don't get it. And then when I rewatched it since, I was like, oh my gosh, this film is genius. <laughs> I just didn't understand the context. And the ending, when the police turn up, until you pointed it out, 
I didn't realize that was a scary part of the film. I think, yeah. No, I think it was very funny because the first, so the first time I saw this movie, it was in the cinema. It was with one of my friends who's also white and it was, I'm a black woman. So it was also, obviously we didn't have the same experience because we don't have the same I mean, I'm black, she's white. So obviously some of the stuff they see in the movie, she doesn't see it the same way. And the way the movie is done, obviously the movie is centered about the dehumanization of the black bodies by white men, but also it shows all the microaggression that black people have all the time. And this part is like what we call casual, casual racism, really. And the way the movie is done, and I think it's very smart, is that those comments that you hear all the time seems um, not harmful at all. But when you're a Black person, you experience them differently. And in the movie, because they also all together and then also always said in a way that, oh, you know, I'm not racist. I actually love Black people mm-hmm. and all the comments that go with it. And the fact that you just like, but that's ridiculous. And it kind of, I think the movie is very smart about this in the way that it show the microaggression can. And I think for my point of view, when I saw it was like, oh, that happens all the time. And, but you have to live with it. And my friend who was white who saw it was like, this is not a bad thing in a way, because I mean, then they don't say anything racist from her point of view, because it's not the way it's said. Obviously, a microaggression is never like, oh, black people are lazy. But the fact of saying, like, I would vote for Barack Obama a third time is like, why are you saying this? Like, why does it apply to me? What, what, what are you, what, what are you thinking when you say that to a black person? Yeah, and for you as well, the ending. You said that I remember you saying that your friends, the same as me. Like when the police turned up, my response was like, "Oh, the police are here. It will all be fine." Whereas for you, it's like, "Oh no." So I, th- yeah. So to put in contact the scene that we're talking about at the very ending, when Daniel Kaluuya is like surviving or like killed all those white people, they're dead white bodies everywhere. And he managed to get out. And basically you have a police car coming and the scene, you don't know, you just see the police car coming. And at this moment, my first thought was like, oh, it's dead. Like just from like an exterior point of view, you're thinking a black man surrounded by white dead bodies. No one is going to believe him. No one is going to believe that they're trying to kill him and they're the bad guys. And the scene is very, it's very short, but for the minute that it happens as a black person, and I think a lot of people, because I think your boyfriend's thought the same thing and he's white. It was like, oh, this is not handing in a good way. Like he's going to go to jail and they're going to continue. Yeah. But when you see the, his friend, his black friend coming out of the car and you're just like, the relief was so intense. It was like, oh my God, like you almost fooled me. Like I almost thought it was going to end badly. And actually yeah. we filmed an alternate ver- ending when oh. that and you see the scene when his friend go visit him in prison because he's been charged obviously to kill all those white people and he cannot prove anything that they were bad people. Yeah, and also I didn't realize that he's actually like stood over Rose, so his girlfriend Rose. He stood over her 
And when the police arrive, she then calls out and is like, oh, help, help. And this time around watching it, I was like, oh, yes, no, he probably would have been killed by that police officer. Because, of, I mean, as you know, obviously, black people have been killed for nothing, let alone being drenched in blood, standing over a white woman who's asking for help. Yeah, it was it was interesting watching it again, having learned a lot more about racism and about what it's like not to be white. And sort of realising like how much in the film are microaggressions or how much feels like virtue signalling and all of this different stuff. And also the realisation that like the parallels between slavery, like this is still slavery, as you said, like it's still black bodies being used so that white people can be better and their lives can be better without the consent of the, I mean, who would consent to that? for (laughs) but without like without the consent or anything like that and like the auction as well like obviously during times of slavery black people were auctioned off and there he is having his body auctioned yeah it, it felt nice watching it this time being like oh I have learned a lot in the past four years because I didn't pick up on any of it when I saw it the first time I had no awareness of it at all and in, yeah, I think I rewatched it after you said to me, like, oh, no, the ending when the police turn up is terrifying. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, A, I, I have no memory of it. And B, I've never rewatched this because I didn't pick up on that at all. But yeah, I think there's a lot of also like Easter egg in it. Like, you know, like moments with like, oh, that makes sense. Like, and since then, I read a lot of articles about the movie because I thought it was a great movie. And there's many things that he wanted, that the director wanted you to see that if you watch a movie, you get it more. The fact that the scene when she eats cereals and and she's like this very dark scene and you realize that she's also insane person and the switch because at the beginning, like, oh, she's this white woke girlfriend in a way. Like, she doesn't care. She doesn't see color. Her parents are very, that they, they're the stereotype of the liberals, of the mm. well, the progressive who think race is, is, is fine. We don't have any racism anymore. And we're welcoming. And in a way, it's like, because even when the way they do it, it seems like, no, no, we actually love black people. That's why we're using them. So it's whole this thing, like, it makes you feel uncomfortable, I think. And that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. That being like woke in a way can be also harmful in many ways because the microaggression, and I can attest to this, like a lot of my white friends, they're the one who can do the microaggression more than the racist one because the racists are being actually racist and it's very in your face. But the microaggression are the people that don't realize it is. And... And I'm always, when I talk about this movie, I always want to talk about it with white people to see how they felt about it. Because as a black person, I've talked about this movie with all the black people and we basically have the same way of seeing it, but it's always interesting to see how white people saw it. Because there's always a fine line to say, is it racist? Is like, because of microaggression, most of the time it's not seen by a white person as microaggression because it's not harmful. They don't see it as being harmful. They don't try to hurt anyone. But mm. I mean, I don't, do you, I mean, I know the one about Obama is the most famous one, but he has a couple of sentences like this. Like when the woman asks, asks her if it's like, because he's black. So like black guys are supposedly have bigger dicks. Mm. And is it true? 
And it seems very, and it seems like a compliment when you say it this way, but it's not. Yeah, I definitely picked up a lot more on like how uncomfortable a lot of that was. And not just the scene at the party where they, they're all being like, oh, well, you know, being black's really cool now. Like it's really in fashion. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> that's not, well, yeah, that was very uncomfortable. And then as you said, like, that woman wanting to know if sex with a black man is better and commenting on Chris's form and feeling his muscles and um, Daniel Clue's character is called Chris for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's all very uncomfortable, but I think what stuck out for me in particular is when Rose's dad is showing Chris around the house. He obviously mentions about voting for Obama three times if he could. And then there's a bit where he's he points out to Chris. I don't know whether it's... I think it's a picture of his granddad. And he I think he points it out and says, like, oh yeah, he raced against Jesse Owens, and obviously just so amazing that he won with Hitler there, like spouting all these Aryan genetical beliefs, and then like obviously he won. I was like, that feels it, it felt like virtue signaling. Like it would be weird if I had you round and was like, Oh, look at this photo. This is the connection I have to black people through this photo. And I just want you to know that I'm a good person because I have things to do with black people in my home. And it was very uncomfortable. But one of the reasons it stuck out to me is that I've definitely had that urge before to signal to black people, it's okay, you're safe with me. I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't I remember distinctly one of Lee's friends he's black um he really likes books and I wanted to kind of be like oh well you know I've got this book club and we read books about you know people who aren't white and I I knew the reason I wanted to tell him is so that he would know oh it's cool I'm a good white person and thankfully I also had that voice being like don't do that if it comes up naturally fine but there's no need to bring it up don't do it but that thought was definitely there of and I think it is still there a lot of the times and I'm like no don't be weird (laughs) don't do that so watching him doing around the house I felt very hyper aware of what he was doing and how uncomfortable it was I feel like he made some other comments oh and also listening to him talking about how like I'm a traveler I keep bringing souvenirs back and I was like, oh, like weird that your house is just a collection of other people's culture. And I don't know, it just. All the scenes are very well filmed. The cinematography is amazing. And also the metaphor about the whole, sli- like you say, the slavery, the auction, the, 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 bo- the male body, also black male body, because it's also very different. The, the perception of the black male body is very different from the female black body. And in this case, it's all about sports. It's about being muscular. It's about being good at sex. It's all the stereotype that you find for black men, because this is what they, 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 that's why they're using their bodies. So it's all this is very subtle in many ways, but also using the thriller because it's actually a thriller when you think about it. It kind of felt like Michael, like Chris is being gaslighted a lot also during the movie because you can feel that he knows something is wrong, just like in a thriller when you have this feeling like there's something dark happening around you. And her always like saying, no, you're fine. No, you're okay. Uh, Don't worry, my dad didn't mean this. My brother is weird. The people that just trying to be friendly and him being like, and his friend also telling him like, you should get out of here. 
like you should not go to the and him like being like struggling between the feeling like but I'm here my girlfriend she loves me so it's fine but at the same time this family is weird and also as a black person think you have this moment when you're like okay this is racist but is it like, is it me overreacting? Like, just like when women are being gaslighted, it's like, I think it's, it's weird. I should not accept this, but in a way you're in minority at this moment. So you don't know if you overreact and you don't want to be the cliche also of saying it's all about, it's always about race. Mm-hmm. And, and see all the black people that are around him, are all white people in black people's bodies which it turns out is one of the creepiest things ever when andre the um the guy who's in sorry to bother you that guy like when chris goes out to give him a fist bump and he just shakes it i'm like this is so uncomfortable and when he's just like "Mm, yes i can see why i would make you more comfortable it is a nice day is it not like it's just so weird he's it feels so awkward and Props to the actor. His his impression of a white person is an old white man is really good. <laughs> and obviously Georgina and Walter as well. The two at the start, you're led to believe that Walter's the gardener and Georgina's the maid. And I think the dad makes a point as well, being like, "Oh, I know how it looks. Like white family with black housekeepers." And obviously, at, at that moment, we don't realize it's the grand and granddad. <laughs> But also, even the way they justify it is like, oh, it's a cliche, but you know, we've been taking care, good care of them, and we have yeah. been for us for a very long time. Just like doesn't make it better. Like no. it's still there. You live in like a suburban house in the U.S. when you have black people serving you, basically. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look good. If they've been here forever, still doesn't make it okay in the yeah. way. And also, I'm presuming, really uncomfortable for Chris to be like, I'm surrounded by all these white people and the only black people are serving them. And then there's me. This is weird. Uh, the other thing I was going to say that's mentioned in at the party auction thing is someone says to Chris, do you find being an African-American more of an advantage or disadvantage in today's society? Which, bearing in mind that they are about to kill him... <laughs> well, kind of kill his soul and take his body. Like, well, clearly a big disadvantage because ignoring everything else, people like you were coming along and taking him. But I was also like, why would you think it would be an advantage, sir? What, what's your, what would be your thought as to where the advantage would be? I think it's always a weird. I think it's always a weird question when people ask you, because they don't usually ask you this question this way. But it's like, I had people telling me before, like, oh, you're so brave because you're a black woman. Life is harder for you. And I'm always very uncomfortable with this question because it's just weird to ask this to people. Like, what is the advantage? Like, uh, so being black is a problem. It's a problem for you. It's a problem for society, but it's not a problem for me. I'm happy to be black. This is a very, so I, don't, I never really understand how to answer this question. And I mm. think, you know, for me, it's also a microaggression. It's like, what are you trying to say? Because you're trying to say, you try to understand how I feel, but it's not the way, it's not a good way to do it. It doesn't make black people comfortable. It doesn't, I, I think, and that's what I think the microaggression in this movie, I really, this is like, you think you're trying to do small talk. You're trying to show that you care. You're trying to, but the result is 
none of it happened. He makes me like he Chris during the whole movie is weird out more and more because people keep asking those stupid questions. Mm. And, and it's also it's worse and worse. And it's like him kind of withdrawing from the whole thing. And people are like, oh, what is wrong with him? And you feel this way when you watch the movie too, because you're like, is it, is it, is he overacting? Is it like, wh- why are those people so weird around him? Like, obviously, it's interesting watching it because you know that the whole family are putting on an act for Chris mm-hmm. and that, so everything that they do, that's always there in the background. So, what I was going to say was at no point does, Rose say anything to those people who are making those comments like afterwards she's like oh that's such bullshit I can't believe they were saying that but at no point does she say actually I don't think it's really okay for you to be saying these things and um, and I don't know whether that's what Chris would have wanted or whether that would have made the situation more uncomfortable there is a scene the very first scene when they're arrested by the police mm. and she talked for him and Obviously, the reason she's doing this is because she doesn't want the police to have his ID. So if it disappeared, nobody knew he was there. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Of course. Yes. What a sneaky minx. When you see this with that, like, because you see this before and basically you don't pick up on this at the beginning because you don't know the whole movie. But when this thing happened, you're just like, she's talking for him. She's trying to like be the white savior in a way. She's trying to be more friendly than he is. It's like, I don't want the, like, this is a police. I'm a black man. I'm not going to go there. And she's trying to push this. She's saying like, you, you should not be asking him from an ID, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, but let him talk. Like, this is his issue. He doesn't want to go there. He doesn't want to have a problem with the police. Not saying the police is right to do this. They're wrong. The police has no right to ask him from his ID. And that's the fact. But in the same way, black men in the U.S. have been killed by the police in many interactions when they have not, they have done nothing, didn't have guns, didn't have anything, just been killed by the police. So he's like, I'm not going to go there. But she's being this pushy white woman, kind of like trying to give her point of view. And you just say, don't do this. Like, I don't need to be saved by you. Yeah, it feels quite demeaning, I think. And I felt that a lot when I watched Noughts and Crosses, which I don't know if you've seen. So I don't know if you know anything about it before I explain. So um, it's a book series, I think, by Mallory Blackman. And it's about a society where England never conquered the continent of Africa. Instead, Africa flourished and they um, conquered England so yeah yeah so in this world basically it's it's a bit like the power like it's a complete role reversal where white people are looked down upon and black people are doing really well in society and there is a moment where it's the two main characters in it there's a black woman and a white man who are falling in love and they're not meant to be because etc etc but there's a scene where they're stopped by the police and she gets really angry because he wants this guy's id or like he's like you're not allowed to be here and she's like well why he has every right to be here and it was through that i was like oh it's actually quite demeaning to have to have like to have someone doing that for you even though i get that it's coming from like a place of wanting to protect someone you care about but it feels upsetting to be in a position where you you're not able to stand up for yourself or you're not being allowed to do that I don't know it was just interesting seeing that being reversed as a oh that doesn't feel nice 
And because then she's causing trouble with this police officer that he wanted to avoid. But I've never asked you, actually. Like, if we were in that situation, what would you... Would you want, like, me to stand up for you? Or would you rather that I didn't say anything it's always you know it's always the question because you know when you say you want to be an ally and you want to be the one like helping and stuff and I think there's a fine line between you should listen to the person just like you know when men talk of a like want to talk for women I think the same the same balance the dynamic so it's I think from my point of view uh, but that's only, I'm only talking for me. I'm not talking for the whole white people in the world, but just for me, that it's most, you just have to take how I feel because I don't think you should be more offended than me. Like in this, I'm the person, the prejudice is against, I sh- like, I want to have my voice. And if I, and I also want to pick my battles because sometimes I cannot pick, I'm, sometimes I'm tired. I just want to move on with my life. And if that puts me in danger, which in this position, it's the case, like she's not like if the police freaked out and uh, decide to pull a gun, it's not going to be on her. It's going to be on him. Mm. And if in this case, I feel like I don't want to do this. You have to take a step back. I don't like you actually pushing this over can be dramatic for me. Mm-hmm. as much as I know my friends are here to have my back I also don't want them to think that I cannot defend myself in such a situation and if I decide to put myself out of the situation they should just listen sometime mm-hmm. that's how I feel if we have the situation together okay that's fine I'm just I mean from us I think it would be more likely that we're with a group of people and someone says something it's it's an interesting one because I think when I was first getting into intersectional feminism my first thought would have been like oh you need to stand up for that person and you need to say something I think you do like if we with a group of people and we're discussing that's a very different situation and I think people like just like for feminism I think when you're the only woman in the room and there's like sexist comment being done the woman uh, if you're the only woman you want to talk but you also want your male colleagues to talk about this and say this is not okay but if in this position we're talking about life and death Mm. so this is like putting yourself in putting your person that you're trying to defend in danger that's a very different story, which is funny because in this movie, in this movie, she's not doing this to protect him. She's actually doing this to protect herself. But we don't know that at the beginning. But still, it's still uncomfortable because he feels like you can see that he's saying, like, don't do this. I, I, we're done. Like, I'm going to give him my ID. We're going to move on our life. It's fine because there's no reason for him to arrest him at this point because he hasn't done anything. And you realize he's starting to get scared because of her not really because of the police. It's, so it's holding together. So I think obviously you have to be in a line certain situation, but you also have to measure your reaction to it. If it's if you're putting the person you're trying to defend in danger, what's the point, really? Yeah. Cool. Thank you for answering that. Um, I know there's a lot of pressure on you <laughs> to be like, <laughs> this is how you should handle things. 
Just as I should be. But the reason why I asked is partly because I was wondering whether in the film, and again, we know that she's not a great person on purpose, but that whole scene at the start of the film where Chris is saying, like, do your parents know I'm black? And she's like, well, no, why should they? And I was like, I think if I were dating someone who's black, I'd probably say, like, would you like me, like... I obviously don't have a problem with this and I don't think my parents will, but would you feel more comfortable if I talk to them and let them know? Or again, like... Okay, my question is, why would you not tell them? Well, I don't think I'd specifically not tell them. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know, because I don't know whether I'd feel weird being like, oh yeah, so Lee's coming around, Um, he's a black man. I don't know. I don't know whether I'd feel like by telling it, I'm drawing, by saying that I'm drawing attention to that specifically. Because when my mum did meet Lee, I didn't say, oh, he's a white man. But then I guess that's a problem in society that people assume whiteness. So you you have to point out when things aren't white or whether, I, I don't know. Karina, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when she tells him, like when she says this, I'm like, no, you should tell your parents, like your parents should know, like, it's not that it's part of who you are. And also, yeah, I think if I was dating some, I would, if I date someone and I tell to my mom, I tell my mom about it, I would say the, I would say if they're white or they're black or they're um, Asian descendant or Arabic descendant, I would say that. Interesting. Because it's never occurred to me, largely because, sorry to out myself, all of the people I've dated have been white. So it's never, and again, there's that assumed whiteness thing where I've not thought to mention it because I've just not thought to say. So if Lee and I break up in the future, (laughs) I will. (laughs) Are you done with me and white supremacy? Oh, I've not been doing great with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I cannot give excuses because that's part of the problem of white people in the book. <laughs> I I am going to do it. I struggle to stick to doing things each day and uh, trying to talk about it without trying to excuse myself from not doing the work is <laughs> uncomfortable. But um, I find in the past, if I've said, oh, I'm going to do yoga every day in September or I'm going to do this, I then put a lot of pressure on myself and make myself feel really bad. But then on the flip side, if I don't do that, I then don't do things. So... It's not been going great, I'll be honest, Kareen. And I need to get back on it because I want to be one of the good white people. <laughs> I have to stop saying that thing, you're one of the good white people. Because I already am, so I don't need to say it. Because <laughs> I'm great already. I know, you are amazing. You're my friend. <laughs> you I, have- I say that term as a joke because, um, you know, I know I'm problematic in lots of ways. And one of those problems is 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 doing the work from this book and not doing it yeah I need to get my head around that I do need to do it and I do want to do it and I have no excuses because I haven't done it and I think as I said to you I was like oh it's fine I can just say the answers out loud to myself and I don't have to write it down and then we got to that chapter of the book where she was saying (laughs) I can't remember the name of the chapter but I do remember her saying an example of it is if you're the person who picked up this book and thought, well, I already know all this, I don't need to write it down. I was like, no, that's me. Shit. It's okay. It's okay. It was interesting because then that triggered some white fragility where I was like, but I think I have done a lot and I think I've been doing really good. And then it, it was an interesting experience. It was, it was a journey. So yeah, it's still on my shelf <laughs> with my, <laughs> with my notepad. 
waiting for me. Okay. Oh, yes. Back to the movie. So, yes. In answer to your question, no, it's not something I've ever thought about doing. And, yeah, I I just, I don't know. I also wonder if I were living in America and dating someone who was Black, whether I'd also say, like we just did now, which is why I thought maybe I should ask you, because I haven't asked this. Like, if we're stopped, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to intervene? Do you want me to... Instead of just assuming, I think I'd rather ask and say, like, how would you want me to react to this? So I, it seems it comes across that they haven't spoken about race at all. I don't know whether that's true, but I think a lot of white people assume that not seeing colour is the right way. And that if you say, oh, I don't see colour, I see everyone as the same, then that means that you're not racist or you're being good in air quotes whereas as we know that would be great in a world where everyone's equal but people aren't so I don't know whether she's coming across as one of those but I think it's very funny because the very like the whole, whole first part of the movie is really not the thriller part doesn't start until it starts freaking out with the the get out the, the guy scream get out to him and then there is a scene when the housekeeper which is an amazing scene when you see that she's fighting you realize that she's fighting to get out and there is this when she's crying and this scene is so well done and you and it just just like what is happening to her what is wrong with this black woman who is trying to interact and connect but you have this fighting thing with the woman you can realize that the woman the black woman is trying to get out but she can't basically before the scene basically the movie is more about like how he, he wants to make you uncomfortable about being uh, about all these comments and how black people are treated in a normal way. Obviously, the thriller part after this become crazy and like it's actually white people trying to steal black bodies. But it's very interesting because I think it, it uses also because America is different from the UK in many ways. So the real, the racial uh, dynamics are different. The history is different. I think it's also very particular to the US, the way they, they talk about, like, because they have the black president. So also that's the thing, like, there's no racism anymore because Barack Obama was elected. Mm-hmm. But the, the black man being killed by the police didn't decrease when Obama got elected. Actually, it, we talked about it more because we had video at the time, because we were able. And there's also the whole fact that his friend is telling him like black men are disappearing, but nobody cares because it's also black men and the black bodies are seen differently. So it's all this stuff that's also very particular to the US and how we see black bodies in society and how they, because it's either seen in a good way, something that's like is muscular and sexual and all the cliche that go with it, but also something that can disappear and nobody cares about. I do love that throughout the whole film, Rod was right. Like when he was like, sex slaves, they're all sex slaves. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's essentially what they are. Like they are going to end up having sex against their will and yeah the whole time because I think even at the start he says oh yeah don't go to a white girl's parents house <laughs> Chris is like it's gonna be fine what are you saying and he's like don't do it man don't go and obviously he's absolutely right and I, I just hadn't realized until this time watching it I was like oh my god his friend is right the whole way through the film he's and he because even he's been even when I think Chris calls him to tell him about Andre and how weird he was and Rod's like hypnotized he's been hypnotized and I was like oh my god he was hypnotized <laughs> But obviously hearing him say it, it sounds 
unrealistic. Like it's about we're a friend saying to you like, oh no, they've been hypnotized, they're gonna be sex slaves. You would just be like, shut up, no, they're not, that's not true. I thoroughly enjoyed Rod. He was a great comic relief. Yeah. And that whole scene in the uh, when he's telling the police and then she gets other police officers in to listen to what he has to say because it's so hilarious. <laughs> Rod tried so hard, bless him. The other bit that I found really uncomfortable that I don't think I noticed when I first saw this film is right at the start where Andre's in the suburbs and he says like, oh, he's on the phone saying like, oh, I stick out like a sore thumb here. And I think the first time I watched it, I didn't really understand what he meant. And this time I was like, oh, okay, get it. Suburbs, white. He's a black man at nighttime walking around this rich, affluent suburb. People are going to assume that he's not meant to be there and that he's... Because there have been loads of cases where the police have been called because there's like a black man in a neighbourhood and he's either like visiting friends or he lives there or he does go to university there or whatever. And then when the car pulls up playing Run, Rabbit, Run oh (laughs) it's like oh my god again it was such a perfect music choice because in this instance and as I feel a bit weird telling you about this because you know all of this but for the listeners like throughout history black people have been prey to white people who have been the hunter hunting them so seeing this car sidling along him and this man getting out as he's playing this creepy run rabbit run was was like oh my oh my god this film's horrible it's genius but it's hard to watch sometimes i know but it's also like very because there's a scene and there's a scene when the brother you know they're in the dinner mm-hmm. oh provocative and like trying to like push in to fight him and this is this whole cliche of like I'm able to beat up like a. it seems like I can beat a black man and this like whole power dynamic and him trying to be like I cannot go there I should not be going there and but he's being pushed and pushed and like he pushed all the buttons to say I'm gonna do this I'm gonna push you over the edge and and at this point, you don't really know the brother is basically insane, but you just feel like they want us to like, as a black person, you're just like, this is what happened. They want you to, they push you, they push you until you pass this line and you, and it's very well done because you're just thinking, no, no, I don't want to be the cliche. I don't want to be this person. I have to shrink myself to be like the calm one, to be the bigger person. Mm. And, and it's sometimes hard and that's why he flipped also yeah because in that scenario that like, he's not allowed to be like what the fuck why are you why are you doing this why are you trying to fight me we're at dinner what are you i've never met you before why would i want to fight you he has to just be like oh no i make a rule of not fighting with people at the dinner table or something like that yeah i hadn't really thought about that he's having to diminish himself to and be the calm bigger person <laughs> as it were, in that scenario. And also, I guess, because if he did then get angry, it could have ended up badly for him, too. So I don't have too many other things I wanted to say. There was one thing I noticed when we were talking about metaphors earlier, where Rose's dad comments on the deer and how he doesn't like them because they're taking over the place or something like that. And I was like, oh, this seems like a metaphor for like what people often say about black people or immigrants or stuff that they're coming here and taking over and ruining everything and so there was that and then one of my favorite acting moments in the film is when rose we've seen who rose is and that she's the bait essentially for yeah she's she traps these black men and when she's on the phone to rodney rod 
Rodney, when she's on the phone to him um, and he's saying like, oh, Chris hasn't been here. And you see her saying like, oh, my God, what? I hope he's okay." But she's saying the actress's face is completely blank and it's just her voice sounds concerned. And that was really creepy, too. I was like, oh. I think Alison Williams is amazing in this movie. She has the right side of crazy even the scene when she has like her cereal with the milk and she doesn't like the fact that she doesn't mix them. And it's like all this metaphor and the movies that she's watching cartoons at this point, I think. And there's this scene, it was like beautiful. And she's like, it. you just realize how, as she's as evil because at the beginning, you're like maybe she's the family's evil and she's actually the nice one and she doesn't know. And then she switched. She's amazing in this role. Also, when Chris finds those pictures in her wardrobe, like all of her, like I guess her trophies of all of the men that she's brought to the family, But I was also thinking about how even if she was, you know, this whole family situation wasn't weird, whatever thing it is, even if it was a normal weekend, I would imagine he'd feel very uncomfortable anyway if he'd found all those. Or if if he'd found out like, oh, she's only dated black men, like has this now come into this like a fetish thing for her? Is this just that it's been an accident that she's? met lots of black people and that's who she's fallen in love with or I just thought that was quite interesting too particularly after reading Search of an Age yes I was looking for it at my bookshelf <laughs> so it reminded me the guy the white guy in Search of an Age who only dates black women and he keeps repeating like I'm gonna lie I'm I, like I, I love black people my friends are all black and when a white person comes to me and says, I love black people, most of my friends are black, and I only get along mostly with black people because I understand them better, for me, it's a red flag. <laughs> like, I'm not different with this person because they just collect black people and have this like need to be with black people when you like, we're not like, I don't know, it kind of like, it's a fetish. Yeah. And it makes me feel very uncomfortable when I, and, and I think that's what he feels when he says, it's like, it's not normal. Like, not saying that you can have like a preference, like physically you can be attracted to like certain people, but I, it still makes like when a man tells me like, oh my God, I love black women and I only date black women. I'm just like, I'm not sure I'm going to date you. <laughs> this is weird to say this because Usually what comes with it is like you have this cliche what a black woman is or black man is, and that's problematic. Yeah, so you're not saying like, oh, I'm interested in you as a person. I just like that you're a black woman. Yes. And that's what, yeah, which is weird. It is, it is, yeah, it's all weird. And I, again, I don't think I've really thought about it maybe until such a fun age. Yeah, because I, I guess at the point where he finds those pictures, he obviously doesn't know, oh, they're, they're kidnapping black people so that they can transplant white people's brains into them. That's what's happening here. Like, he's just like, why has she got pictures of her and all of these black people? This is weird and unusual. Um, I think that's all I had that I wanted to talk about. Yes, I think me, I think so too. I think it was a brilliant movie. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting because I think it opens the debate to many things. It also opened a trend that I'm not such a big fan of. It's like now they've done like in the last couple of years, they've done a lot of like movies with this kind of like 
trend of showing black bodies being I know did you see the show them um I've seen the first episode and I haven't gone any further yet it is on my list and I think so that was always my question because when I watched because get out I would say the target audience is everyone. It's, it's, it talks differently to black people. It talks differently to white people. And it's good, like everybody should see it. Like it's not, a, um, but I think now they've done a lot of movies talk, like trying to, to talk about racism and them is one of them. When I just feel like, I don't think I need to watch this as a black person. Like I, I'm tired of being like, watching black people suffer in movies. Mm. Like I'm like I don't need to see black suffering. I'm fine. Like I've noted, I've I've heard about it. I've seen slavery for years, and I kind of feel like now. And I think uh, Get Out is one of the first movie was doing this, but in a very smart way. And I think they understood because that movie was like made a lot of money mm. and basically began this trend because racial justice is also like a trend now like diversity is a new thing we keep talking about it, which is great though you open the debates to many many things but it's also become this trend when now we have to them it's i don't like the 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 subject i think is targeted to white audience and i'm happy that we have more black people on tv and everything But I also like when it doesn't center on just like black people as a race, but also and most like more like telling black stories, which is a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess I hadn't really thought about how in Get Out it's although the subject is about like the brutalization of black bodies and the dehumanization, you don't see it. No. So he's like there are fight scenes, but you're watching all the white people get killed. And then he escapes at the end. Whereas from what I've heard in them, there is a lot of brutalization of black bodies and there's a lot of violence. And like he was, I guess, with Django Unchained as well, that you were saying. Yes, that's the yeah. like because of this, because, and, and I mean, it's just that, I mean, I know it's a Tarantino movie and Tarantino movies are violent. Like there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of killing and it's, it's very violent. But for me, Django Unchained was too much. Like, I don't need to see this. Like, I, I, we know black bodies are, since centuries have been brutalized, killed, murdered, uh, enslaved. And I know that Tarantino, the way he talks about this movie is about saying, like, this is a revenge movie, just like he did with Inglis Bassett with the Nazis. But it's just like, it's too much. Like, this is, the, the thing is, In a lot of movies, Black people are not the center of the story and they just used to show pain, which I think there is also good stories about Black people that we don't show enough. It looks like all of the directors, bar one, for them, were white men. Oh, okay. Which I think, so there was one episode was directed by a Black woman and I think that makes a lot of sense it was created and written by a black man but I think it reminds me a bit of like the amount of rape that are shown in films yes. where I'm like yeah so like with a film like Promising Young Woman that Emerald Fennell's done like I don't have to see women being raped I don't have to see the rape to understand what that feels like and to know what that's like this doesn't need to be a gratuitous moment yeah you can get your message across without having to show that 
That's true. Because even in like, we, we've done Promising Young Woman, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I think it's very similar. Like you don't have to see it to understand the violence and the pain that it caused. And I think a lot of movies now are being lazy and they show just like, you know, for example, in a different kind of way, Game of Thrones, when they show the violence against women, it's shown it's there is on your face. And I remember thinking, I don't need to see the rape to understand she's been raped. Like I don't need to see it. Yeah. And it just, what I like about this movie is like it's more subtle and you don't you understand that it's violent and you understand the suffering without being killing like you don't it's not as violent in a way I don't know yeah no I know you're right I agree should we move on to rating the film yes so I think it's fair to say on the intersectional side it gets a five out of five yes and I think, the, like, the female side, we haven't really talked about Rose and then Rose's mum, largely because it kind of doesn't feel like that the film isn't about them specifically. So I, I don't know I, I don't know what we want to rate it, because I want to give it a 10 out of 10. And I think the women in it are really good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, so, uh, OK, it's five out of five when it comes to people of color in this movie, for sure because this is the whole, the whole movie is about race and it's very well done. Every, the black characters are, uh, are multidimensional. There's not like, the, it's not like how we see one black person. And they actually use all the cliche, like black people dying, like, like horror movies where the first one to die, he make the jokes at the beginning. So they actually using the cliche to like a better you, to, to make it fun. But for the, for, for the feminists, part of me the thing is the movie is not about this mm. hard to say i'm gonna give it five out of five I, but the the female characters are also very interesting and and well developed so um even if in, in a way we don't know anything about them in because the, the mom is a theorist and um but she's i don't think she talks that much except when she's with him and trying to him so I would say two and a half out of five yeah yeah that seems fair I mean and I guess as well as we know like this is just one way of rating films it doesn't mean the film's not good yeah because like the bachelor test doesn't mean the movie's bad it's just doesn't yeah. follow those rules yeah and I guess like in theory there could have been like it could have been the dad who was the hypnotist and the mom who did more of the organizing but I, I really love this film I wouldn't change anything about it and also the mom is so fucking creepy she's she really like stares at you and yeah in a way that therapists can do sometimes and make you feel like Ooh. cool so seven and a half out of ten yes well well I'm I'm very happy because there aren't many films that we review that get more than like one or two for the intersectional side <laughs> So it's nice that this one's the other way around. So Get Out gets seven and a half out of 10. Good job, Get Out. We hope that you all have a really lovely Halloween, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever spooky activities you're getting up to. We hope that you have a great time. Um, I'm thinking of going as maybe one of the untethered from us, another Jordan Peele movie. But we will see. We'll see what happens. It might just be a standard vampire because I can just use my clothes. (laughs) that I already own.
for that. Um, thank you very much, Corinne, for joining me today to talk about Get Out. You're welcome. Bye. And thank you very much, Lee, for doing all of the editing and producing and artwork for the podcast. Thank you very much to Sandra for doing the music you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast. If you would like to let us know what you think of Get Out, or if you want to let me know what you're dressing up as for Halloween this year, then you can get involved in the socials and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Feminism. That's Real, spot R-E-E-L. And we'll be back in your ears in two weeks' time where we will be discussing The Matrix. But until then, bye! Bye!